Hey y'all, you are listening to another episode of The Spiritual Homegirl, where we discuss all things concerning self-development and bettering our spirit, but from the homie perspective, somebody that's going through the journey day by day, just like you. Hey, y'all, Shagam Maria, The Spiritual Homegirl. We are back with another episode of The Spiritual Homegirl Podcast. Now, before we get started, y'all know I can't do any podcast episode without thanking you all for listening. So thank you for listening, boo-boo. Out of the tens and thousands of podcasts that are out there in podcast land, you choose to leave me your ears once a week for about an hour or so, and I hella appreciate that. So first things first, I wanted to remind y'all about the Power Up Pandemic Reset Bootcamp. This is for those that are struggling with their um, with owning their power or they're being ran by other people and not necessarily in control of at least being able to recognize and stand firmly or confidently or clearly in their own power. I'm doing a two and a half hour virtual boot camp. I'm really excited. This is a life skill training. So it's something that you can take with you long after our time together is done. And I'm doing that on the 24th of April from 10 a.m. to 12.30 p.m. Pacific daylight time. I already got a workbook for y'all already ready to roll. So that it can be very interactive. I really want to make sure that I'm working with people that want to do the work. Like sometimes we get to a point where we just tired. And if you're tired and you want to do better, I got you, boo. Just show up and we can go from there. I got you. Don't even trip. So it's about more so having another system of self-care. So you know how to, I know self-care is so cliche, but it really is legit self-care because by understanding your power, when you have those moments where you're a little bit out of it, the workbook will help you snap back together. Yes, I literally snap because that's just how I do it. But you literally snap back together and remind yourself what it is that you want to set for yourself, the standards and things of that nature. And we go over how to do that during this virtual boot camp. Okay. So as long as you got the maturity to self-assess, be honest with yourself, you know what I mean? As long as you got the patience to be consistent with yourself as you put all of these things in practice, I want to see you on the 24th boot. So if you want to sign up for that virtual boot camp, you can definitely do so by clicking my show notes or going to spiritualhomegirl.shop. Also, before we get started, I got to shout out my Patreon crew. Shout out to Micah, Kaylin, Uwin, Leslie, Corey, Maria, Tia, and Jessica. Shout out to y'all for tapping in with your girl. I got some special gifts coming for y'all because it's my birthday season and that's how I do it. I give, I like to give during my birthday. So stay tuned, uh, Patreon members. They actually, um, they're going to start co-interviewing with me when it comes to the guests that are coming up in the podcast. So I have some other guests that I'm going to bring on the show. And if you haven't heard the episode with Life Coach and Real One, Tijuana Jackson, that I did on Friday, episode 207, I definitely encourage y'all to go back and listen to that. Um, I'll actually put that in my show notes as well so y'all can tap in. But some of those questions were given to me by people that were in that Patreon group anonymously, but still. So now I have another guest that I'm scheduling, um, a professional astrologer and Patreon members get to submit questions to ask. So I just feel like it's fair for those that are in my Patreon community. They are able to get their questions answered with whatever guests I interview from here on out. And I'll be giving some other goodies and things of that nature for them because they um, subscribe to the community and they, you know, they down. So today's episode, is about apologies. And it was inspired by somebody I literally did not know existed. And I'm saying that not in a shady way, but we are in Aries season. And as the Aries queen, Mariah Carey says, I don't know her. It was somebody that I did not know. Not because I purposely did not want to know them, but because I think because I'm so 
head down in a lot of stuff, if I wasn't already tapped in with you, I'm, I'm tapped out with you, if that makes sense. So this particular woman's name, Rachel Hollis. From what I understand, Rachel Hollis is a personal development, quote unquote, guru, lifestyle specialist. She's um, she's known for being uh, married as well to a high ranking um, executive in the entertainment or something like that. They're separate at this point, but at some point she was married. So what I'm saying is she's privileged. Um, Rachel is also a white woman. She's also privileged in that regard. So not necessarily just marrying into money, but also being a white woman, being able to have a leg up when it comes to these kind of things, um, because mainstream America is white. Um, she's able to have a leg up on these things and privilege. And for those that are unaware of privilege that are listening in other countries, please search white privilege in America. Um, you know what? Matter of fact, let's see what it says. Just so we make it sure you got the you got the right definition. Yeah. Mm-hmm, okay. I'll just say it. White privilege, according to Wikipedia, and I like this definition, even though it's much deeper than that. It is a societal privilege that benefits white people over non-white people in some societies, particularly if they are otherwise under the same social, political, or economic circumstances. Rooted in European colonialism and imperialism, and as well as the Atlantic slave trade, white privilege has developed in circumstances that have broadly sought to protect white racial privileges, various national citizenships, and other rights or special benefits. So basically saying that, Certain people have certain privileges and things that are afforded to them much easier than folks that don't look like them. So in this case, with Rachel being a white woman, she is afforded a certain special set of privileges that women like her that don't look like her of different races and ethnicities may not be able to have. So that is just a simple definition of her privilege. So like I said, Rachel Hollis I guess she wrote a book. Um, it was called Girl, Wash Your Face. Me personally, um, I did. Now that I think about it, I remember seeing something about that and how people were upset that it appeared that she co-opted African-American vernacular English, also known as AAVE or Ebonics. Some people felt like she kind of, you know, kind of took that the little you know, the sassiness of girl, wash your face. Like that's, you know, that that is AAVE. So I remember seeing that that was slightly problematic back then. But again, um, I didn't realize that was her because I never looked her up or seen her name. I just remember seeing Girl Wash Her Face and it was a white woman that wrote it and some women were upset. And I understood why they were upset, but I never knew it was her until today. Wow. So going to what I learned today, I see this TikTok with her on it, right? And she's basically talking about, um, I guess it was a response to a woman that called her unrelatable because I guess Rachel was talking about how she has a woman that comes and cleans her toilets. She has um, a maid or what have you. And I guess the woman was like, you know, that's unrelatable. Like, why would you post something like that? You know, whatever. And I understand that the other person's point because that is unrelatable. When you're talking about personal development and things of that nature and most of your personal empire outside of marriage has probably been afforded by those same people that cannot afford a maid. It is very tone deaf, especially when a time of a worldwide crisis, such as a pandemic where resources that were more than likely already scarce for some become even more scarce. So it is tone deaf. So I understood that because it isn't relatable. And she says something to the effect in response as, you know, I don't do this to be relatable. And it was, and honestly, seeing the tone of the video was really cringy because you could tell like she really was confident in this really tone deaf type of mindset. 
And she says something to the effect of, you know, yesterday I was on live and I mentioned that there was a woman, you know, really sweet that comes to my house and cleans. She's my house cleaner. She cleans the toilet. Like, what's the problem with that? You know, I was called unrelatable, but why do I want to be relatable for? Literally every woman that I admire throughout history has been unrelatable. So if my life is relatable to most people, I'm doing it wrong. And the way she said it, I was like, oh, this ain't going to blow. This ain't going to go over well. This is not going to blow over. I can tell with the audacity and the confidence of, of doubling down after somebody has clearly just said, you know, the lifestyles of the rich and famous is necessarily, especially again, with the privilege that she has as a white woman, is not necessarily the best look when it comes to relating to an audience that does not have the life that you have, especially if that same audience helps pay for the success that allows you to do that and live such a beautiful life to where you think that it's a blessing to have somebody come clean your toilets. Like, from a person, think about that though. Like, on one end, she's happy because she has somebody cleaning her toilets. On the other end, that woman has to come or that man or whoever has to come clean the toilets for a living. Like, it's just, it's just interesting how the perception of blessings when in actuality it comes at and I really pray she tra- she's paying that person well. You know what I'm saying? Like, I'm really paying. I, I mean, who knows if it's if it's possible that she's paying that person $100 an hour to do it or something that's super duper, because um, that's a lot. Cleaning toilets and, and cleaning work in general. I don't think people that do janitorial work are paid enough because 15 hours to clean somebody else's feces and excrement, no matter how small, off a toilet or cleaning people's messes, that's never going to be enough money. But um, I think people should be paid a comfortable wage starting at $25 an hour, especially here in California. But that's another conversation for another day. Either way, she basically says that um, like Harriet Tubman, um, Ruth Ginsburg, um, Oprah Winfrey, like Ruth Bader Ginsburg. Let me be clear, that's her full name. But she mentioned these women that are like, unrelatable like they're like I guess they're trailblazers and since she considers herself to be somewhat of a trailblazer she wants to be like them so she was saying you know these are women that disrupted history and you know did all this stuff and made an impact and you know they're they inspire me to be this way basically that's how I took that so I knew it was going to be trash I knew that was going to be a bad look and sure enough that's what happened she got a lot of backlash she gave a really sorry apology the first time it was a really bad apology it was basically saying that she should have listened to her gut and she listened to her team instead. Her team just said, let it blow over. Even though she's a grown woman, she has a choice to make these decisions. She chose to make the decision to listen to her team, but somehow she threw her team under the bus by saying that they said that, you know, they think they're comparing, they, they think you're comparing yourself to these kind of women. And she was like, you know, that's not her intention, but yet she should have ignored them when they said that, you know, let it blow over, whatever, whatever. At the end of the day, if you're the captain of your own ship, whether it's your empire, whether it's your life, whether it's your ability to make choices, even if someone influences you, you're still responsible. When I say you, I mean we, because I'm never above my own advice. We're still responsible for everything that we choose to do in a normal circumstance. Now, I know some people or in more extreme circumstances, like for instance, reactive abuse, when they're being abused, sometimes reactive abuse happens because that's a reaction of being abused and and that's a different conversation. But for those that are in situations that do not have any type of um, extreme circumstance, when it comes to choosing your words, we have a choice. 
We have a choice. Whether a team or a homegirl or a mentor or a partner or a spouse or a family member or a friend, whoever has their opinion, that's their opinion, but that's not their situation. And it's not their choice to make. We ultimately have our choices to make. So her trash apology went through. People were not feeling that. And then she named some other women as well. She said, well, you know, I didn't understand what I did wrong, you know, but I see, you know, I'm not going to always get it right. But at the same time, I see there's some women that I admire. They have a problem with it. So I must have done something and I must listen to them. And it was just really weird. She basically skated around the entire apology. She said she got it wrong. She didn't say what she got wrong. She didn't say how she got it wrong. She did say that, you know, her team kind of threw, you know, she threw a team under the bus. But then she said, well, you know, you guys get a front row seat to all of my crappy moments. And, you know, it just is what it is. And, you know, but since these other women that I admire have an issue with it, I must have done something wrong. So she hadn't seen it yet. She hadn't clearly understood the impact of her words. So one of the women named Lovey jumps in the comments and says, uh-uh, uh don't tag me in nothing. Don't bring up my name in nothing if you're not willing to do the work to understand the root of why you, what you said was problematic. Like, if you still don't get it, putting me in it does not do anything for your situation. Like, I don't want to be a part of this. Like, you know, basically, she was disassociating herself because she's like, you know, just because I have a problem with it doesn't mean that, you know what I'm saying, like, it, you still have to do the work to figure out what you did wrong. So today's episode will be about Apology 101. This is going to be an ongoing series as time goes on. Um, and I thought it was interesting because I saw something on psychological science. And there was a study that was done by three um, psychological scientists named uh, Royal Roy Lewicki from Ohio State. Beth Poland from Eastern Kentucky University and Robert Lount Jr. also from the high, the Ohio State University. They were doing a study about um, how effective apologies can be. And it's not necessarily a super conclusive study as it does vary on the person that is receiving the apology. But based on these studies, they realized there are six unique components of having a compelling apology. One of them being expression of regret. Number two, explanation of what went wrong. Number three, acknowledgement of responsibility. Number four, declaration of repentance. Number five, offer of repair. And number six, a request for forgiveness. And I think where Rachel Hollis went wrong was that she did not express enough regret. She didn't quite understand what went wrong. She knew something went wrong, but she didn't know how. She did not acknowledge her responsibility. She did not declare any repentance. She did not offer to repair and she did not request for, for forgiveness. So I see why her apology did not hold up because per this, this study here, she didn't quite hit the mark at all. I think she may have hit one out of these six elements. So, um, <laughs> so I just wanted to talk to people, people being y'all because I fool with y'all. And I'm never above my own advice. And I wanted to talk about how sometimes we think we're doing something with our apologies and we're not. And they said the most important component that um, most people participating in the study um, named was acknowledgement of responsibility. It's very easy to blame other folks in other circumstances besides ourselves. And I think that when people, and this is, I'm speaking from a personal experience at this point, I'm speaking from my own personal experience. If someone has wronged me, the main thing I do want to hear is that that was on you. You should have used your words better or you should not have come off disrespectful or you should not have done that. Or maybe you should have thought about it first. Like acknowledging that there was a mistake made here at least shows that you have some kind of comprehension 
that there was something that was not done right here. And there was something that could have been done differently that might have produced a more favorable or more harmonious um, reaction between the two or three, four, five, whoever else is involved. So to me, acknowledging that you did something wrong and also the explanation of what went wrong shows that there has been some kind of thought process, some kind of logical um, connection between what was done and what was produced from that action is really important. And to keep it honest, maybe the declaration of repentance is not necessarily something I need, I guess, but the offer of repair, how you're going to atone for that, that is important to me as well. So that's my top three. It is. Explanation of what went wrong, acknowledgement of responsibility, and the offer of repair. But the thing about the offer of repair is, if it's not going to be done, don't offer it. Because sometimes we will want to make it up to you so bad that we don't really have the capacity or the emotional capacity or the maturity or any other way to actually really make it right the way we want to. I'm going to pause in that moment. Again, like I said, sometimes, you know, the offer of repair isn't realistic. Sometimes the atonement does not start that moment. Sometimes the atonement does not happen tomorrow. Um, a way with people wrong me, if, or if somebody feels like, you know, if somebody did something wrong, they apologize. An offer of repair for me was to be to get some kind of emotional maturity. That's not something that comes the next day. That's a process. And only through consistency and whether I want to stick around for that is going to be the main determining factor of whether that's actually been repaired. Because until that's repaired, those kind of things will continue to happen. And even though I believe that emotional maturity and things of that and awareness it is a never ending process at the same time, I know that there's going to be slip ups that are going to happen along the way. But as long as you understand that you're responsible for getting that together, I might be willing to stick around and figure that out with you. Most times, depending on the offense um, and the, the offense has to be really serious for me to not fool with you no more. But um, usually I'll take some distance and, you know, you can figure that out, you know. Um, depending on the severity of the offense. Um, so yeah, so I was just curious to know, like what element of apology is most important for you? Are the six elements most important? Like, do they have to have all six? Is there a top three, a top two, a top four? I'm just curious what makes a good apology. Feel free to hit me up. Let me know. Um, tomorrow. I mean, well today really, because I'm doing a, I wanted to do the post about it tomorrow too we'll see on my instagram i'll be posting about it. So if you want to comment you can definitely do so but apologies man like really the acknowledgement of responsibility knowing that you've done something um that's incorrect and knowing that you know we've we made the connection as to how we've put this in motion by what we decided to do the choice that we made that what we decided to do that's really important and nobody's saying be perfect okay nobody's saying be perfect at all and that's the problem i think a lot of some of our our quote unquote gurus, I think some of them have exhausted themselves because of the love they receive from folks like us to where they think that they're incapable of critique or incapable of feedback or incapable of being teachable or incapable of being wrong. We all are humans having the spirit experience and vice versa. We're going to have human moments. We're going to all be imperfect. We're all going to have moments where we put our foot in our mouths. We're all going to have the moment where we get critiqued and are educated. There are going to be moments where we have to atone. We've all had these moments. It doesn't make any of us any lesser than or better than. So I think also maybe that's something that old girl could figure out too, because again, 
Some people kind of hit a level of success and think they're untouchable. And that's definitely far from the truth. If anything, that kind of puts you more under scrutiny because of the fact that you are so exalted, especially if you start believing your own hype. I'm not saying she did, but well, to me, yeah, let's keep it a thousand. Based on how she doubled down, she believed her own hype because that was rooting ego. But, you know, that's neither here nor there because we're talking about apologies, about atoning for when you do those things and stay rooted in ego and kind of, you know, kind of stay in your own bubble and on your own hype. But but that was it, y'all. I just wanted to kind of run that by y'all about apologies. But if you want to find me, you can do so everywhere. I'm spiritual homegirl everywhere, literally. Patreon, Clubhouse, Facebook, YouTube, um, Instagram. And if you want to sign up, again, like I said, for my Pandemic Reset Power Up Virtual Bootcamp, definitely tap in. I would love to have you. Um, yeah, it's going to be a lot of fun. Just make sure you have your virtual workbook ready to roll and an open heart, a pen to write with, and a willingness to do the work. And we're going to have a lot of fun. So also, I'm still doing the Sun Sign Challenge. I want to shout out again my Patreon crew, Micah, Kaylin, Uyen, Leslie, Corey, Maria, Tia, and Jessica. Hey, booze. Thank y'all for tapping in with me. I'm really excited to, um, again, give some love and some gifts because I love to give, uh, I love to drop things every now and then to folks. I used to do it for my first community when I had it. So now that I have this Patreon, I'm really excited to see how it goes over. So yeah. <laughs> so um, yeah, I think that is it. Oh, no, no, no. I'm jumping the gun. To sign up for Tribe Letter, you can do so at spiritualhomegirl.captivate.fm or you can sign up at spiritualhomegirl.shop or you can uh, text the word homegirl10 if you want to join my text club to 81493. Again, homegirl10 to 81493. All right, y'all. So this has been another episode of the Spiritual Homegirl Podcast. My name is Maria. And remember, trust the journey, trust yourself. And um, check our apologies. They might need some work. I know mine has over the over the years. So it's a never ever process, okay? So check your apology style and see if that's really effective, okay? Love y'all. Peace. This episode has been produced by producer extraordinaire Jason Trachademics Valerio. 